This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning, good morning. Good to see you here today. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up real high and our ushers would put the Word of God in your hand. Once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 3. Isaiah 3, if you're a guest, we're glad to hear, uh, have you. If you're watching by live stream, we welcome you too. Again, keep your hand up and our ushers will get the word. Get in the word and God will get into you. And so we begin, I don't know what week, of our wake-up series. And uh, you may elbow somebody sitting to you and tell them you might as well get ready to wake up because you're going to get woke up today. And just remember, I believe the word of God is, is sent to guide us but also to challenge us. So as you're turning to Isaiah 3, let me ask you a couple questions here. Do I know God or do I just know about God? Do I love Jesus or do I love what Jesus can do for me? And so every bit of that will play into this morning. And sometimes the Word of God will will literally come after you. And so that's what's going to happen today in a good way. Isaiah 3 verse 1. For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts. Now, it's interesting his wording here. He says, the Lord, then the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts is a covenant name for Father God. But the Lord of hosts literally has the meaning master. So we're talking about the master. And he goes on to say, the Lord of hosts will take away or remove from Jerusalem and from Judah. Now, Jerusalem and Judah were part of the southern and the northern kingdom of Israel. But understand, when he says he's going to remove some things from Jerusalem and Judah, that means he's going to take away some things that were for his covenant people at one time. He goes on to say, The stock and the store, the whole supply of bread, and the whole supply of water. Now, what you begin to see him talking about, the things he's going to remove, is their supply and their their support of everything they depended on for their livelihood. Now, just think about it just for a little bit here. What would happen in your life if God removed all the food and all the water from your life? You would experience what we would call would be a an economic hardship, an economic trial. There would be some chaos. And so this is what he said he's, he's going to do right here. And so when we, we begin to read in this, verse by verse, there's a bunch in here. But I'm going to paraphrase the next about five verses for you. Part of the problem was, is because the, the leaders of their land had no spiritual foundation. And when I talk about the leaders of their land, they're mighty men, the mighty uh, war men, judges, prophets, elders, captains. It doesn't matter if you were mom and dad. When, when you weren't fit to lead as a leader, and this is what it's talking about, or you were inadequate to lead, there's going to be chaos. There's going to be some great harm that takes place. And so when you, you read into this, You have to start asking yourself, why would this happen? Why would this take place? Well, the the chosen people of God, the people of Jerusalem and Judah, they started getting farther and farther away from God. 
They quit listening to God. They quit obeying God. And so when we do that as a society or as a people, you're going to experience chaos. That's what's going to take place. Now, I'm going to jump into it a little deeper. Verse number 8. Isaiah 3, verse 8. For Jerusalem stumbled. They were ruined. And Judah is fallen, or Judah is down for the count. Because. Now, I want you to pay close attention to the because factor. Because their tongue and their doing are against the Lord. Two things. Their tongue, their speech, or their words, their doings and their actions were against the Lord. So when you think about our tongues, they begin to become very critical of God. Any of you ever been critical of God? Probably more than we think. And what do I mean by that? God never blesses me. God never does anything good for me. God never graces me. And so it's easy, easy, easy to become very critical of God. So that was the first thing they did. And then the second thing, again, he said, because of their, their doings, their words and their actions. And if you'll note what he said there, they're against the Lord. They're against the Lord. And how are they against the Lord? To provoke the eyes of his glory, which literally means... They slapped the Lord in, their, in his face. Now, just stop just for a second. Remember who this was. This was the people of Jerusalem and Judah. God's chosen people. So he's given us a warning. And I'm talking about he, the prophet Isaiah, is I believe this is a prophetic word for the times we go in. That it's very easy just because... You have a title or a label, I'm a Christian. I'm God's chosen. It shows how they begin to drift and they got off course. Now let's keep reading and just follow the scriptures here. Verse 9. The look on their countenance witnessed against them. And what this was talking about, they begin to be respecter of persons. That They begin to show favoritism is what they were doing. He goes on to say in verse 9, And they declare their sin as Sodom. They proclaim, they flaunt, they display, they, they, they parade their sin just as the people of Sodom. Now, if you're, not a film, if you're not familiar with what took place in Sodom, the people of an area called Sodom became so ungodly that they mocked God with their sin. That God ultimately destroyed them. He was very patient and long-suffering, but he ultimately destroyed them. So it says here, they declared their sin as Sodom. Remember, Jerusalem and Judah. This was God's chosen. They do not hide it. It was now on display. And so when it says they don't hide it, what happens to us as human beings? Sin starts in our private life. And when I get comfortable with sin enough that it no longer goes from my private life, it now goes public. And so this is what this is. They didn't hide it. 
They just blatantly sinned right before the eyes of Father God. And so it goes on to say here, woe to their soul. The word woe, W-O-E, literally means doom or destruction. Now you can parade your sin before God. You can put it on display. But you might as well understand this. The day of doom will come. It'll happen. He goes on to say, For they, brought, they have brought evil upon themselves. And so the evil upon themselves was literally self-inflicted. See, when I look at stuff in my life at times, it's easy to get blame or to blame God. It's easy to blame other people. It's easy to blame the devil. The devil made me do it. But the only devil that made you do it was that little devil you were looking at in the mirror. You. And so he highlights some stuff in there that just, I I believe, becomes a a warning for us. And a warning regardless of how society perceives itself, we must live by the word of God. We must live by the standards of God. And when we don't, the only alternative is doom and destruction. Verse 10. But say to the righteous that it shall be well with them. Now, right here, smack dab in the middle of this chaos and this sin and this destruction... He says, reassure the righteous. Reassure the godly that God's saying, I got your back. And he was telling us even in this time right here, when they were probably heavily outnumbered, there was still some godly folk. And that may be us right now. But we must remember this promise. God says, I'm going to take care of you. You know, King David said this. He said, I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Hang on to that. And so he goes on to say, it will be well with them for they shall eat the fruit of their doing. The fruit of their actions. And God, he said, I'm going to bless you. But verse 11. Woe to the wicked. It shall be ill or disaster with him. For the reward of his hand shall be given to him. You're going to get what you fully deserve. Now in verse 11, it cross-references back to Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11, 12, 13. Let me just tell you real quick what that talks about. It talks about the people begin to operate in sin because they no longer fear God. When a society quits fearing God, we start fearing man more than we fear God. You know how the fear of the Lord is revealed in your life and my life? The way we obey. That's Genesis 22. That's back to the story of Abraham with his son Isaac. And the Lord said to him, when Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac, the Lord said, I now know that you fear me. How did he know he feared him? 
Because he obeyed him to one of the hardest things you could ever obey. And so remember this, obedience is a big deal to God. Obedience is a huge deal to God. So we, ch- we ch- uh, jump to chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 4, verse 1. Now this is a very unusual scene, okay? It says, in that day, and many times you'll see that phrase in the Bible, in that day. Well, in this day that he was talking about, the people were very arrogant, they were very prideful, and they were extremely haughty. And so he said, in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man. Kind of strange statement. Seven men, seven women will take hold of one man. And a lot of the men said, now that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, you just need one man, okay? So when you see seven women will take hold of one man, why would the Bible say this? What's going on here? Keep reading. Saying, we will eat our own food and we will wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by your name. Now, think about what they just said. All we want out of this relationship is your name. We don't want any commitment. We don't want any faithfulness. We don't want any responsibility. All we want is your name. And if you'll notice twice, they said, we we have our own food and we wear our own apparel. Now, what would they be talking about? Our own food. Could it be a a Matthew 4-4 deal where the Lord Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? So were they saying right here, we don't want to live by the word of God. We want to live by our own rules. But we want your name. And then they said our own apparel. Well, what would that mean? Well, it's interesting, Galatians 3.27, the Apostle Paul said that we are to put on Christ. We are to wear Christ. Luke 24.49 says that they were endued with power from on high. They were clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. So were they saying right here, "We, we don't want to put you on Christ. We don't need the Holy Spirit. We got our own clothes. But we sure do want your name. Because we want everything that's associated with your name. We want to walk in your will and we want to walk in your inheritance. But when you look at what they're talking about, there's no, no commitment. This was what we would call a dysfunctional relationship. A marriage of convenience. Well, I've been married now for 43 years. And what would have happened the day I got married if Shelly said to me, I don't want nothing from you, pal, but your last name. Well, you know what I would have probably said? Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more. No. See, but I wonder in this situation, 
If this is how we've treated Father God, the Lord Jesus. I just want your name. So I want to know that when this thing ends up, that I'll go to heaven. I, I just need your name. And he ends verse number one, and he says, to take away our approach, reproach. I want your name, but also with your name, I, I don't want to be disgraced with any shame. I don't want to be disgraced with any blame. I don't want to be disgraced with any fault. I just want your name. But what I found out about the Lord Jesus is He's not into dating. He's into marriage. Let me give you a little more. Jesus is not into shacking up together. Jesus is into marriage. Here, let me give you another one. Jesus isn't into common law. He's into marriage. And when Jesus is in marriage, he says, I want all of you because I'm going to give you all of me. And so if we were to keep reading here in Isaiah 4, he would come to this point where he prophesied and said that the day's coming that there would be the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning. Just keep reading and you'll find that. Those exact two words. And so the day is going to come when these things are going to happen. And I believe this becomes the warning. Now, how many of you in here, you really, really, really want to know today that you're really born again, that you're really into God, that everything is right? How many want to know that? Man, I am good in my heart. Everybody want to know that? Good, because we're going to learn about it anyhow. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, way back there in the back. Hebrews, James, the Peters, the Johns. 1 John chapter 2. So we, we look back there. Have we become a people that's just a cultural Christian? I, I, just, I just want a little bit of Jesus. I just want a little bit of the Bible. Better yet, I take on the form of Christian, but the power is denied. And God, I trust only when I lust for the apple of my eye. In other words, I only want Jesus for what he can do for me. And sometimes we think, well, I go to church on Sundays when it's convenient, when it fits into my schedule. Now, this one's going to hurt. When the Cowboys have the late game, I said, you guys said, Pastor, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't say that stuff. Well, I've been warned of this two times already today. I say this a lot. Amen or oh me. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 3. Now by this we know that we know him. By this we know that we know him. Now the scripture is getting ready to download something on the inside. By this we know that we know him. If we keep... His commandments. 
The proof that I know him, that I know him, is how well that I obey him. Now here's the question. How are you doing with that part? Am I obeying Jesus? And what I found out about obeying Jesus Obedience just isn't if I actually obey him. Do I obey him quickly and quietly? See, sometimes as a child, I would obey my father, but it wasn't quickly and quietly. It was slow and grumbling. And some of you are saying, preach, pastor, my kids need to hear this. He said, I could know him, that I would know him, that something would happen in my heart, that I would obey him. Do you have a desire to obey him? I have a desire to obey him. I want to obey him. Verse 4. He who says, he who claims, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. Did the Bible just call me a liar? It did. If I don't obey him, I may say, I know Jesus. Jesus is Lord of my life. I know Jesus, but when I don't obey him, he said, you're viewed as a liar. A phony. Hmm. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, obeys his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And the word perfected, it literally means that we come to a place of maturity and we become complete. And he ends and it says, by this we know that we are in him. So I'm looking all over this and I think, how well am I doing? Are, are there some inconsistencies in my life with what I say and what I believe and how I live? See, sometimes it's easy to talk the talk, but do I walk the walk? So you go back and you look. Was that what those ladies wanted there in, in Isaiah? They just wanted his name. I don't want to obey you. I just want to go to heaven. Matthew 25. Let's go there, and I'm going to have to move to get there. And so, as you're turning to Matthew 25, let me just set the table just a little bit. In Matthew 7, we're going to Matthew 25. In Matthew 7, the Lord Jesus said at the end of time, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord. Matthew 7, 22, but the Lord Jesus responded and said, I never knew you. I never knew you. You knew about me, but you just didn't know me. Matthew 7, verse 1. Now get ready, okay? Woo, this has got a lot in it. Verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven, it's a prophetic of the end time. This is what Jesus was talking about. This is going to happen. The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins. The ten virgins represent a pure, 
you know what? The only way I become pure is through the blood of Jesus. And so he said, the ten virgins who took their lamps went out to meet the bridegroom. They were ready for this, this wedding celebration. They wanted to be a part of the marriage feast. And when you study the scriptures, when we get born again, we are called the bride of Christ. And so this is what it's talking about. This marriage feast is going to be with the bride and with Christ. If you'll note something in verse number 1, it said that they took their lamps. All 10 of them took their lamps. All 10 of them had the same opportunity to the lamp. What is a lamp for? A lamp brings illumination. A lamp helps, helps me to see. How many of you ever walked through your house at night and it's dark and you catch your little pinky on the side of a coffee table? Anybody ever had that happen? It is a son of a bendigo moment. You're like. <laughs> because I'm trying to walk around in the dark. But he talks about a lamp. And so there's something in there that the lamp has to be symbolic of something. What is that lamp symbolic of? Well, Psalm 119, 105 says that the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So was he saying here that they got their lamps? They were living by the word of God. They were going in the direction of the word of God. Verse 2. Now five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. And the only way I find out the difference between the wise and the foolish, it would be revealed or it would be demonstrated by their preparation, their obedience, or the lack of it. Verse 3. Those who were foolish took their lamps, but they took no oil with them. So we know the lamp. Now we got another word in there we got to deal with. It's called the oil. All through the Bible, the oil was symbolic of the Holy Spirit. The oil was symbolic of the anointing. So when you see the lamp and the oil, was the Lord Jesus, and this is his writing here. This is red letter words. Was he telling us right here? You're not going to make it without the Holy Spirit. You're not going to obey the word of God without the Holy Spirit. You don't get saved by you and you don't obey by you. So you know what that means? I, I need God's grace and I need God's spirit. The Lord prophesied through Zechariah and he said it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. So was he getting over here? The, the ones that are wise... Woo, they not only have the word, they got the Holy Spirit. Remember one of the Holy Spirit's covenant names? He's a helper. Anybody in here need help? I needed help in two areas. God solved both of those for me. He said, you're not going to make it without a helper. So he sent me a wife. You're not going to make it without the Holy Spirit. So he filled me with the Spirit of God. We keep reading. Verse 4. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Who did? The wise. The wise. 
they knew the Holy Spirit would bring spiritual illumination. So what happens with every one of us? We hear the word of God. But we need to have more than just hearing the word of God. So the Lord said in Hebrews 4.12, he said that the word of God becomes alive, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God becomes a discerner of your thoughts and the intent of your heart when the Holy Spirit's involved. You want the word of God to come alive with you? Just get filled with the Holy Spirit. Just welcome the Holy Spirit. So we keep reading. Verse 5. But while the bridegroom was delayed, then they all slumbered and slept. And so when it talks about the bridegroom delayed, I I guarantee every one of us in here, from the time we can remember till now, we've been told Jesus is coming back. He's going to come back, but he hadn't come back yet. And so a lot of times we get real comfortable. But when it says all of them slept, I believe this is a sign that we go through this life very similar. Did everybody go to sleep last night? Yes. And it said they all slept. And so every one of us has a guarantee of something. You know what that guarantee is? We all have 24 hours in every day. Yesterday's over. Tomorrow's not here. So I just got today. I got to make my today count today. And the only one that decides what happens with my today is me. Do I live prepared or do I live ill-prepared? Keep reading. Verse 6. And at midnight, why did he say midnight? Was that a time when we would least expect it? Yeah. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Verse 7. Then how many of them? All those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, which literally means they put it in order. It's in order. We, we know what the Bible says. Verse 8. But the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. In other words, I don't have what's required to make it. I can't see without more oil. i got to have some oil. That's what they're asking for. Verse 9. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should be not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. So you know what this is talking about? Spiritual preparation. Who's ready and who's not ready? Now listen real close. There won't be grandkids in heaven. There'll just be kids in heaven. You know why? Because nobody gets grandfathered in. I don't care how godly your mom and dad was. I don't care how godly Uncle Buck was. I don't care how, how great and powerful your siblings were. Every one of us one day will stand before the Lord and he won't look and say, Hey, Fernando, how, how well did your mom do? No. It's not going to happen that way. And so the thing that separated the wise from the foolish at this point was what did they did with their preparation for the day of judgment. Verse 10. 
And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready, those who were prepared, those who were ready, 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 Freddy, those who were ready, went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. Uh Uh-oh. The door was shut. Meaning, I wish we had all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. The door was shut. Watch verse number 11. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Here it is again. We, we want your name. Lord, Lord, that, that's the magic word. Open sesame, Lord, Lord. And isn't it interesting that they think because they said, Lord, Lord, that that was authentic enough to get them in? Verse 12. But he, the Lord Jesus, answered and said, As surely I say to you, I don't know you. I don't know you. But I knew about you, but I don't know you. And the only thing that I can see, the difference between the wise and the foolish, the wise knew him, but the foolish said, I knew about you. They never took the time to have a relationship with the Lord. You know, it's interesting to me in life when people say, when did you get so religious? I'm not religious. I got a relationship with Jesus. See, that's the difference. How do you get a relationship with anybody? You got to spend time with them. You got to communicate. See, a relationship with me, it's based on me and my wife. I I tell her my hurts, my pains, my feelings. I, I, I tell her the bad days, the sad days, the mad days, the ugly when, when you are married to someone, they see every part of you. And some of you say, we see a little bit too much than we want to see. I wake up next to him and he has the breath of a thousand camels. And a little old paint never hurt any old barn. No, I probably shouldn't have said that one. I say this to Shelly quite often. I said, I, I wish you wouldn't put any old paint on anymore. I said, I like you just the way you are. See, that's the same with the Lord Jesus. He loves us just the way we are. And you say, but I, I've made a mess of me. He still loves you. Look how we end this in verse number 13. Watch therefore, give strict attention and be cautious, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Now if you'll notice, he said, in which the Son of Man is coming. He didn't say, if he comes, he's coming. He's coming. And the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 5, he said, Be careful how you live. Don't don't live as the unwise, even though the days are evil. 
But, but live a wise. And then in Ephesians 5.18, he said this, be filled with the Spirit of God. And when you study be filled with the Spirit of God, you know what that literally means? It means be filled again and again and again and again. And one of the greatest prayers I think we can have besides repentance and salvation is to ask the Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit again today. You know why we need to be filled fresh every day? Because we got a problem. We leak. Fill me fresh today. I, I need some power. That's Acts 1-8. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll get power. Do you want to be bold? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. And let me end with this. 20, 20 plus years ago, I bought this lawnmower. It was $99 lawnmower at Walmart. $99. You can barely put a, gas, a tank of gas in anymore for $99. So, man, I mowed. I mowed all summer. I mowed with that thing, and I mowed with that thing. And at the end of the summer, that $99 mower on the outside, it looked bad. The wheels were bent. I was tough on it. But I had a guy say to me, he said, you, you want to know the key to make your lawnmower last a long time? I said, yeah. He said, just remember May and just remember September. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, Memorial Day and Labor Day. He said, if every Memorial Day and Labor Day, you'll change the oil in that little mower, it'll last forever. So I thought, brilliant. Memorial Day and Labor Day. So I changed the oil in that. Fast forward, 17 years later, that $99 mower, he's still mowing. Now, I promise you, some days when I'd pull that rope to get it to crank off, man, the neighbors thought I was spraying for mosquitoes. You couldn't even see me. <laughs> Plowing through there. <coughs> and Shelly would say, you need to get a new mower. Well, I had to fight everything within me. Why? This one still runs. Why do I highlight that today? Because every one of us in here are lawnmowers. Every one of us need to be filled with oil. We need the Holy Spirit. But some of you, you're smoking. <coughs> you need a, a change of oil. And so the Apostle Peter, or the Apostle Peter, when he was talking in the end of Acts 2, he spoke the word to him and he preached the word so hard it said it cut him to heart. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He takes the word of God and he cuts us to heart. But he doesn't cut us to heart to beat us up. He cuts us to heart. And, and, and when they were cut to heart, you know what they said to Pete? They said, Pete, what do we do? And he said, Repent, give your heart to Jesus. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. You go look. Acts 2, close to 37. Read through there. You'll find it. What's changed? Nothing's changed. We need to be people of repentance. We need to be people of salvation. I'm, I'm born again. Jesus is Lord of my life. And I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, you can't save you and you can't change you. That's where Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God's grace kicks in. But what would happen day by day by day by day if we begin to say, fill me up, Holy Spirit. I'm born again. Fill me up. Fill me up. And the only prerequisite to be filled with the Holy Spirit is this. you got to be born again. 
But the Lord Jesus said in Luke 11, he said, how much more you know to give your kids good gifts, but how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who? Ask him. He didn't say beg him. Just ask him. Why don't you stand up here? Woohoo! Praise the Lord, huh? So I'm going to ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. And I believe God's dealing with your heart right now. Why do I say that? The Lord said, when you preach the word of God to people, I'll confirm my word with signs following. I'm going to move in your lives. I'm going to move in your heart. Maybe you're here today. And you've gotten off track. Have you gotten off track? You've got to ask yourself, am I off track? You know you're off track. I know when I'm off track. But thank God he loved us so much enough that he said, if you'll confess your sin, if you'll repent, I'm faithful and just to forgive you and I'm faithful and just to cleanse you. What would happen today if we just acted on that verse? Come on, let's, let's just act on that verse. If you're comfortable doing this, let's just raise our hands here to heaven. Father God, we stand before you. And Father God, you said if we'd confess our sin, if we would repent, you would forgive us and cleanse us. So we stand before a holy God. Father God, we confess our sin right now. Go ahead. Confess your sin. Tell them. Oh God, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry of being judgmental or critical. I'm sorry for any form of arrogance or pride. I'm, I'm sorry, Father God, for breaking your commandments. And I ask you right here to forgive me and cleanse me. You're watching my live stream. That's you right there in your living room. Do this. ask another question here do you just know about Jesus or do you actually know him I want to know you Lord I want to know you Lord Jesus I, I, I want to know your heartbeat I want to know your voice I, 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 I want to know your likes I, I want to know what you love I want to know your desires I want to know you Lord I want to know you in the power of your mind. I want to know you like Zephaniah and Obadiah and Jeremiah. I want to know you, Father God. And, and maybe that's a cry. I just don't want to know about you. I want to know you. And, and I know Matt led you through this earlier. But do you need a fresh encounter with Jesus today? You need to publicly come down here and Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. And I say publicly because the Lord Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. But if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before the Father. And so right now, I'm, I'm opening up back these altars that if that's you today, that you say, I, 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 I want to receive Jesus today. I, I need to receive him today. I welcome you right now. I open up these altars. Come on down. You don't have to be ashamed. God loves you. 
isn't a walk of shame. This is a walk of faith. What do you mean by that? When you receive Jesus, Lord of life, you go into the faith hall of faith. Your name is registered in heaven. <laughs> I'm going to ask if you're on our prayer team, if you're a woman or a man, come and stand by these guys here, okay? just want people to come up here and touch you with the hands of Jesus. We believe in what you did. And I encourage all of us. I just want you to say this from your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you today as a sinner, broken. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. I welcome today a relationship with you. I thank you today that my name is registered in heaven in Jesus' name. Come on, let's clap. That's a great prayer. just a little bit longer, okay? I believe it's this significant right now. And he said, you'll know that you'll know that you know that you know me by your obedience. I think we're all very similar to the Apostle Paul when he said this, the thing I want to do, that's what I don't do, and the thing I do, that's what I do. How many of you have ever said, I, I don't want to do that anymore, but I keep doing it? That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And so if you're born again, you can welcome the Holy Spirit right now. So come on, let's raise our hands here again one more time. Father God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're called the helper. We welcome you as the helper. We, we welcome you to breathe on us, help us today. If you've struggled with obedience, Holy Spirit, help us to obey. Help me to obey, not just to obey, to help me to obey quickly and quietly. I, I welcome you, Holy Spirit. But give, give me a fresh anointing today. Fresh hope today, fresh help today. I welcome everything you are. The Spirit of the living God, the Spirit of truth. And Father God, I ask that you would grace us today. Bless us here saints of God. Keep us on track, Holy Ghost. Stir within us a desire to live for God in Jesus' name. Everybody agreed, said? Amen. Come on, let's clap to the Lord. I'm going to have you go back to your seat.
good day, huh? You guys did well. You guys did a lot better than the first service. I encourage you, one of the greatest things you can say every day when you wake up is, good morning, Father God, good morning, Lord Jesus, and good morning, Holy Spirit. Make it a daily habit or a daily prayer that you invite the Holy Spirit to be a part of your life, a part of your day. Whatever that may look like. When you know you got a hard week, an easy week, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you. They're calling me to jury duty tomorrow, and I'm not happy. I said, Holy Spirit, you got to get me out of that tomorrow. I'm just kind of kidding. I better quit. Bless all of you. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.